Hello and welcome to the Photog Mog. It is October 19th, 5.45 p.m., and this is episode 3. If you are new to the show, uh, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear in today's talk or have gone back and listened to other ones, or if not, I encourage you to do so. And if you like what you hear and you're looking forward to hearing more, then subscribe to uh, this podcast. It is available on many different podcasting platforms, including Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, and more. Currently, I'm using the platform Anchor to get my podcast out there, and I really like what they're doing. I'm not going to put in a plug uh, just yet, but just wanted to let you know that that's what I'm using, and I really appreciate uh, how easy they've made it. Uh, so this is pretty cool. So... If you tuned into last week's episode, then you know that this week we're going to be talking about another fifth anniversary, and this one is a little bit closer to the heart. It's definitely, definitely not an easier conversation to have. Um, I want to approach this with, with all sensitivity and thinking about those that that are involved, but uh, 2015 was was definitely a year of ups and downs. And this was definitely a low point of the year for, for me and so many others. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about was it's the fifth anniversary of the death of a friend. And I wanted to honor this friend with this episode. And uh, so this episode I dedicate to Derek Crosley. Uh, Crosley family, if you're listening, we love you. And we are so thankful for you and we appreciate your strength. Uh, over these years since uh, this world and your family lost Derek. Um, Derek was a student of mine at, a, at our church in Kansas. I was a youth pastor there. And, and uh, this kid, he has a special place in our heart. He, <laughs> you know, they say not to, you know, as a teacher or a parent, you're not supposed to have favorites. But anybody who knew Derek would easily agree with me to say that he was our favorite, you know, because I think he was everybody's favorite. Um, even if you really didn't like him, you know, which I couldn't imagine how you couldn't, but even if you didn't, you know, you still knew that there, there's just something special about this guy. It's hard to, you know, put your fingers on that. I'm not trying to air him up to be something that he wasn't. Uh, you know, this is, this was just Derek's nature. He, he was just, he was just something else, you know, and you know, one of my favorite things about Derek was, was he, he was he was really kind of a quiet-spoken person. But when he did speak, it was like, whoa, you know, it got your attention. And, uh, and I, always, I always appreciated that. And, you know, I can remember uh, doing a sermon one time for our youth group. And uh, our, our youth group's name... Uh, at the time, I don't know if it still is or not, but at the time it was uh, identity. And so to kind of encourage and shed light on why the youth group was called that and what the importance of identity was, um, I, I spoke a message on it. And in this message, I used uh, a line or two from uh, an old Lecrae song. And it just, you know, where it just says, you know, I'm not... The, the clothes I wear, I'm not the shoes I buy, I'm not the house I live in, I'm not the car I drive. And just kind of drove the point home using using these lines. And 
and and I can I saw it click instantly with Derek, and he just looked at me, and he just gave me that slow head nod, like yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, so it made me feel really good that that the uh, the little blurb there of that hip new song really kind of sank in with him <laughs> back then, and uh, but uh, but we lost Derek too soon, and and before I go too much further, I just uh, I wanted to preface this conversation with the fact that I did an interview with Derek's mom, Tracy. Oh, it was about a year ago or so, and uh, got her full blessing to to talk about our our little interview and use whatever information or even sound sound clips from it. Um, I'm not going to go that route, but I will reference some things and and uh, so you know I I had told her that. You know, I wasn't planning on, you know, using names or anything like that. But she said, you know, that she was an open book. And, and if you knew Tracy or know her, um, and, you know, if you know Tracy, then you know that, I mean, she is. She's very open about this this whole event uh, and this part of her life. You know, and she says that, you know, we can't, we can't do anything about Derek's death. You know, we, it's, Derek's death is now a part of our lives. And so we have to talk about it. It helps to. And, and it's just like, wow, you know, it's, 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 so, it's so profound. But I can remember uh, that call in May. And um, if that's the case, then, then it was May 14th of 2015. That was the day he died. And we were broken. That, and that's really all I can say. I mean, like, and it's not it's not just because it was Derek. I mean, if we were notified that any of our students uh, had passed, that's really hard. But Derek had so much going for him. You know, he was a, a football player, and he was good. Uh, he had just graduated. He was 18. And, you know, and just had his whole life ahead of him. And, and it's it's just... It's almost infuriating because, yeah, he died tragically. Yeah, and, and it's not just because he was 18. It was it was a car accident. But that young man had an impact on anybody who got the pleasure to have him in their lives. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that family. And so where does photography come into play with this? Well, within those first few days after... Uh, Derek died I received a phone call and it was Tracy his mom had called me and she had asked if if we were going to be coming out to Kansas for uh, his service I said absolutely you know we will and she said okay well if you you know if you were I was going to ask you if you guys were planning on coming out would you mind saying a few words to share like your favorite story of Derek or whatever and well, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely, whatever you want us to do. And she said, "Okay, great, thank you so much." And and she said, "But I have one more thing to ask you." And I said, "Okay." You know, literally at this point, I was just like, you know, whatever you need, <laughs> you know, we're there for you. And uh, and she said, "I see that you've gotten into photography, and I've seen some of your work, and I know that. I mean, it's good." And then she asked me, "What did you photograph my son's funeral?" And and all of a sudden, it was like. The floodgates 
<laughs> the floodgate of questions opened up in my brain. And is she sure? And I, th- I think I might have even asked her that. Are you sure that's something you want me to do? And and she said absolutely. And and you know, there's, but the questions just kept coming. I mean, is is this normal? Should I do it? What are gonna What are people gonna think? You know, are people gonna be offended? And and as these questions are going through my head, before I knew it, my lips were already moving, and I said, "Yes, of course, I'll do that for you." Not really thinking about what that was, what that was supposed to look like, because um, literally, I think at this point, I'd had my camera for just a few months, not quite a year, and I've done, you know, I I had done a few. Uh, photo sessions, um, an engagement session, um, a birthday party, you know, just, I mean, just pretty basic stuff. And, and so, so I said, yes, I was going to do that. And so we drive out there and this request, you know, photographing this, this event, documenting the loss in this family, um, it, it, I learned so much from it. And not just, not just how to photograph. I mean, this this really set me up. Um, this set me up for a lot of things in my life. Because uh, you know, I'm I'm an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God, and and you know, this taught me a lot about you know working with the family during a time of grief and bereavement. Uh, I was there in an, in, an intimate way. Um, I, I saw things like after the, 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 the service that, that nobody else got to see. And, and I'm so thankful. I'm humbled, but I'm thankful that I got to be there for that, I got that, that I had that access. But from a photography standpoint, I learned a lot about just the sensitivity of some situations, and I became aware of myself in a crowd. I became aware of the limitations of my gear, um, including the fact that I had a an old Canon T3 at the time. And I think what when did those cameras come out? Like 2012, 2010, something somewhere around there. And so. The shutter speed or the shutter on that camera is actually quite loud, and so <laughs> maybe it's not so much aware as it was self-conscious. <laughs> but it made me aware of the fact that I'm in a already sensitive crowd, and the last thing that they want is to hear this shutter clicking, and so it it taught me to to make every shot count because the last thing I want is to have that shutter flapping while they're trying to concentrate on what's being said or or just being in their own minds and in their own hurt. The last thing they need is some guy walking around clicking all over the place. Um, but, but then I also learned about preparation and how important preparation is before a shoot. Um, and yes, I did treat this as if it was any other session, I approached it with the same professionalism, and because uh, I know at one point, toward the beginning of the photographing his service, uh, I got a case of the nerves, 
and I I walked myself out of the back of the uh, the auditorium and uh, was contemplating going up and telling Tracy I I just can't do this you know it's just it's just too much and I'm sorry but I didn't I choked down my nerves and uh, I stopped worrying about what other people were thinking because I knew in this moment this this person this this mom who had just lost her child asked me to do something for her she she asked me for a service and and I will disclose <clears throat> that I didn't charge her for this but I treated it as if it was a paid you know a, a paid session or a paid event because that's how I wanted to approach this and so so I I, I pulled up the bridges and I got to work um, I provided them with a handful of images at, at the time I was uh, putting things on Dropbox, like Dropbox folders, and so I ended up giving her a, a handful of, of images, you know, 20, 25, something like that, of the event. And uh, in my interview with her, I had asked her, because I, I was trying to, to search uh, within this whole thing for uh, purpose and... Uh, just trying to identify, you know, what, is funeral photography a thing? Like, I know that there are uh, high-profile individual celebrities, uh, politicians, and the like that they photograph or have their funerals photographed, but, but I, I guess... I'm getting ahead of myself here, but my question is, how do you market that? You know, do you, should you? The, these, these are the questions that are going through my head. I mean, the ethics of it all. And, and so, in this interview with, with Tracy, Derek's mom, I reached out to her to get her thoughts. And in this interview, I had asked her that if, if you had to go back to that time right before Derek died that you were contemplating uh, calling me to do these photos. Uh, going back to that time, knowing what you know now, would you still call me? And her response was, absolutely. There's not a single part of her that regretted having these photos done. Uh, she said, now, it may not work for everybody, but... She went on to say that she recommends this, that if, if you even have the slightest inclination that you might want to uh, have the funeral of a loved one photographed so that you can kind of, you can document that event in your life um, and be able to go back to it and remember things, then then by all means. She said it has helped them so much in their healing process. Um, uh, her and her, I mean, her and her family. You have 
Tracy, his mom, Daryl, his dad, Joy, his younger sister, and Todd, his younger brother. And, and Tracy said it's helped them all. She said it's not like they sit around the family room, you know, the coffee table or anything, and, and just regularly go through his photos. She said, but, but on occasion, and especially at, like, the anniversary or his birthday, um, they would pull him out, and they would celebrate who he is, even this part of our life. And as I said before, she said that his death is a part of their life now, and so they don't want to shun that. And, uh, and so... And so it just kind of gave me a, a nicer, a, a deeper insight into how this can help people. If you if you have any thoughts on that part, you know, the, the whole, like, you know, do are there any funeral photographers listening right now? Uh, do you market that? Do you brand that? Or is it just, like, something that you just do for people, you know, maybe, like, close friends or whatever? Um, kind of like, kind of like Jared Hill, uh, and adoption. If you listen to the last episode, you know, he photographs, you know, uh, adoption day hearings for families at no cost. And that's really cool. Um, definitely something that I could adopt into what I do. I mean, that's, that's totally my heart. Um, but then, but then I also look at this part of it. And, like, it's a service I would love to offer people that want it. But I'm sure that there are people out there who would have no problem charging for this service. And there may even be people out there who have no problem paying for it. But I guess that's my dilemma is, like, I don't want to pay. I don't want to charge for that. You know, you've got enough expenditures on your own with just the death of this loved one, providing for the service, uh, casket, you know, funeral home costs in general. I mean, I mean, it's actually kind of sad that, that that market is the way it is. And I don't want to add to the grief that these people are already going through as they struggle to gain closure on the loss of their loved one. But at the same time, from a business perspective... Like I can see that like if this began to take a lot of time, begin to the the demand begin to grow. I mean, like this was several hours, like th- like three hours or so on site. And so, from a business standpoint, I could totally see, you know, charging to cover your time and and tra- Like I mean, I travel three hundred and ten miles to do this funeral, and so I could see where somebody would would you know charge for their time and their travel and. You know, because and not just with, I mean, just with any any other kind of photography, uh, portrait photography or event photography, you have to go through and you have to edit your images and you have to process them and and uh, get them formatted and ready to send out and and so I can totally understand where they're coming from. So that said, you know, maybe maybe as far as that goes, it just falls into. You know the rest of, you know how you how you charge for your business and you charge by what you need, and if you already have an established business and this is somewhere that you, you know, could get involved in that you have the stomach to get involved in the heart to get involved in. Look, because let me tell you, 
if if you would do this, you can't you can't just go into it as if it's just another job. I had to put my mindset there so that I could, you know, look at the casket and push that shutter down. But at the same time, these were people I knew. Um, I mean, there were times that I was shooting through tears because I knew them. But what if somebody I don't know that well asks me to photograph them? I mean, as a minister, I mean, I performed a funeral before, and it was for somebody that I, I didn't know personally. Um, I knew some some of the family personally, but I didn't know this person who passed away personally. And, and to me, that's kind of awkward. But you have to have more than just your mind wrapped around it. You have to have your heart in it. You know, just like with this funeral, I may not have known this guy personally, but my heart was in it for the family, and my heart is in it for their souls. And even in a funeral, I'm going to discuss about our need for God and our need for Jesus in our lives because he's the one who offers us eternal security to cling to him every day in our times of grief, not just to one another, but, but cling to the one who has the strength to hold us up. But I can just say that in, in that moment of even just administering a, a funeral service, if that's the right word to say, to use. Uh, I don't know. Uh, perform a funeral service? Uh, I don't know if that sounds right either. Anyways, uh, to me, it's, it's even more intimate to be someone who's photographing that. And that changed me, but for the better. The so, so much about photographing that funeral changed me for the better and it's made me a better photographer it's made me it's made me a better person one of the more practical things that this taught me was uh, about preparation being prepared uh, whenever it comes to something so sensitive in nature you you need to be, be prepared uh, on how to handle people I was preparing in my mind over and over again that if somebody were to stop me and ask me what in the world I was doing how my response was going to be that you know that I was there for for Tracy and for Daryl and for Joy and for Todd I was there at their request it's not up to me to decide in that moment well after I said yes whether or not I should be there but there was one area that I didn't prepare for <laughs> and it, it was actually rather embarrassing and for years for four years, I carried the guilt of, of what I did. Actually, it's what I didn't do. Okay, so my wife and I drive that 310 miles from the St. Louis area uh, to a little Ottawa, Kansas. And we, we had drove in the day before. We attended his wake and then the next day was the service. We stayed with some friends, got up early, met him at the chapel at Ottawa University to go over some of the logistics and things like that. So we do that, and then after the service is the procession in which we drove 45 minutes to an hour up the highway going back toward Kansas City. And it was once we hit like the Overland Park area, 
I realized that we never got gas. And so we are now almost, literally almost out of gas. I think we, we only had a few miles left on the tank. And I, I was scrambling to figure out what we could do. I wasn't sure if Tracy would even have her phone on her. Uh, at one point, the funeral session got stopped at an intersection, and uh, there was a gas station there. And so I, I was like, "We just, we just have to pull off real quick. It's got to be quick, though, because these processions don't usually stop at intersections." And so I pull off real quick, and I think, I think I only put like, you know, five bucks in, and I turn around, and the procession is gone. Uh, literally that quick, they're gone. And I didn't have the foresight to ask where the graveside service was going to be held. I, again, hesitated to call Tracy, probably out of pride and embarrassment. I tried to get on my maps, and I was looking around at local, you know, cemeteries, and there was, you know, three that were fairly close Two of them in kind of the direction that, that the procession left, that we think they left in. But there was literally, I mean, like, I pulled out on the road and I drove. I drove one direction for a couple minutes, drove the other direction a few more minutes, just trying to see if I could, I don't know, see, because there were police involved in this procession. So I was looking for the lights. I was, you know, looking for anything that I could, and I couldn't see anything. And so instead of calling her and trying to reach out to her and and by chance that she had her phone on her, which I don't know why she wouldn't, but this is where my mind was at, that we ended up just calling it and leaving. Uh, we, again, had another 310 miles to drive back home, technically a little closer because we were already up the highway, but... I think I, once we got home, I sent her a message and said, I'm sorry, we lost the procession because we were, we almost ran out of gas. And if I recall correctly at the time, she was like, oh, that's okay, we, we figured you had to leave or whatever. But I guess there was a part of my brain that just didn't really hang on to that little blip of a conversation because to me it was kind of like a cop-out kind of thing. But to me it just, it bothered me so bad that in, in their collection of images that they didn't have them putting him into the ground that they didn't have that collection of memories of that closure and so in this interview I told this to Tracy and I explained what had happened and and, and that this was this was a life lesson that it taught me especially whenever it comes to my photography businesses think of everything uh, up to and including whether or not you got gas in your car to make it to a session because let me tell you, these were close friends, and I know, and, and and they're so nice. They're such nice people. Let's say they paid for a family session, or just anybody paid for a family session, and then and their photographer doesn't show up, and all of a sudden you get a phone call. Hey, I ran out of gas. You know, how does that look? I mean, they are ready to go. The kids are the basically. There's a timeline of how long kids will stay dressed a certain way and act a certain way, and it's not very long. <laughs> so, so, uh, so anyways, um, but I just have to say, in that interview, after telling her that, she, 
I, I could almost imagine if I was sitting with her in person, she would have grabbed my hands and just said, you know what, you do not have to carry that with you. I release you of that guilt or any responsibility there um, because we know that life happens and you have you offered us up so much that, you know, and she said, you know, uh, yeah, that, that if you need it, then I'll tell you right now, you're forgiven. <laughs> so, and so I took that and I, and I said, I'm, I'm not going to stop carrying this with me because I just, I, I need that as a reminder to, to prepare and to do my best and to think of everything uh, before I do a shoot, before I go to help somebody, uh, anything. I mean, this is something I'm going to carry with me forever. Anyways, uh, so after hearing her talk about how having these photos helped them and their family and, and that, that if she, for, for whatever reason, God forbid, she ever had to do it again, that she personally recommends uh, at least consider uh, having a photographer come in and and document the the event you know document the funeral she said it it took them a long time to to look at the photos you know she didn't look at them immediately but she said once she did once they did as a family that it helped them so much. And, and I mean, I can, I can, I, I, I go back occasionally. I look at those photos too. And, and, and it's, it's true. There is something there. The moments that I was able to capture the solidarity of this family that even it, it brings me a peace. You know, of course, I also look back at it with my photographer's eyes going, oh, man, you missed focus there. Oh, man, the, the crop was just not right. Yeah. Oh, what were you thinking? I mean, like, you used vignette on everything. <laughs> and it's true. Back in my, like, my first year or so of photography, I, I, I had a vignette phase. You know, and that's, that's where you get the shadowing in the corners and, and whatever. Uh, it, it wasn't heavy by any means, but it was there. And so, you know, it's just it's just those things that you look at as you grow as a photographer and how your taste changes and what you think looks good changes. And I, I can also say that I primarily edited my photos on my iPhone uh, or my iPad using apps like Facetune and PhotoFox because there was less degradation of my images uh, but eventually I did move on to uh, like Photoshop and, and that and I'll even be honest that I don't even edit my photos too much in Photoshop I actually use Camera Raw more than Photoshop which is just a stripped down Lightroom you know for the actual editing I think it does a, a pretty good job uh, the Camera Raw that's, that comes with Photoshop CS6 that was my talk for today funeral photography uh, the ethics, to me, it's it's it just feels so controversial, and maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just totally overthinking this, and and uh, it's just like anything else that, I mean, if people want it, you know, maybe maybe they don't have any issues paying for it. I don't know. Tell me your thoughts. Let me know what you think. Is it controversial to you in the least? Do you think it's unethical at all, or do you think if people want it, they'll pay for it? Call or text two zero nine four nine seven. 4686. 
I, I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening, guys. It is now 6.43, and so I really appreciate you listening to this story and my heart on this uh, this topic, and I look forward to the next one. I don't know when it'll be. I've uh, missed a couple of weeks now trying to prepare this because I want to do it right, and I don't want to be flipping about it. Uh, not so much just what I'm putting out, but, but the context of tonight, the, the content, because I don't ever want to speak flippantly about Derek's death and what his family's gone through. So I'm going to wrap this up with just a little plug for the Derek Crosley Memorial Facebook page that uh, if you want to see how Derek and his family are still, even in his death, still touching the lives of uh, people in this world, then go over there and check it out. You'll be inspired. Give it a like support it uh, you won't be disappointed uh, the, the first post right off the bat I believe uh, the last one was done in May and uh, you'll be impressed this family this family is so cool and the, the things that that they've done that Derek signed up for uh, upon his death um, well I'm not going to give you any spoilers go check it out give it a like uh, show some love. Uh, thank you all for watching. I really do appreciate everything uh, that you do to support my photography, uh, me in general through this podcast, my YouTube channel, and all that. Um, thank you so much. Uh, that's all I've got for you guys. I'm signing off. Have a great night. Have a great week. Don't forget, call or text 209-497-4686. Let me know what your thoughts are. Funeral photography. Should it be a thing? Should it not be? Am I overthinking it? I don't know. Let me know. Or if you have any thoughts for future episodes, don't hesitate to let me know. I'm happy to to put out uh, content that, that you want to hear. So take care, guys. Love you all. Bye.